Welcome to AZ TechCast, sponsored by the Arizona Technology Council, with your hosts, Steve Zylstra and Karen Nowitz. AZ TechCast is dedicated to covering innovation and technology in Arizona and beyond. Broadcasted monthly, AZ TechCast invites leading experts to have real conversations about what is happening in the tech sector across the state of Arizona. From regional news to innovative startups, companies, and emerging technologies, AZ TechCast covers the critical issues and economic trends propelling the state's growing tech ecosystem. Here we go. In an increasingly digital world, it's critical for business leaders to explore digital transformation or the creation and modification of business processes, culture, and customer experiences to meet changing business and marketing demands. But where do we start? Welcome to Phoenix Business Radio X. I'm Karen Nowicki, president and owner of Phoenix Business Radio X, and I would like to welcome to you this episode of AZ TechCast, sponsored by the Arizona Technology Council. AZ TechCast is dedicated to covering innovation and technology in Arizona and beyond. Broadcasted monthly, AZ TechCast invites tech and business experts to have real conversations about what's happening across the state of Arizona. AZ TechCast discusses the critical issues, topics, and trends propelling the state's growing tech ecosystem. So please join me in giving a warm welcome to today's featured guests. We have Kristen Harder, Digital Marketing Manager with ZoroSign. Welcome, Kristen. Hello, thank you. I sure wish you were sitting by my side. We'll have to have you back on to do that. I know, next time <laughs> Next for sure. time. And Steve Irons, president of Doc Solid. Welcome, Steve. Hi, Karen, thank you. And where are you uh, joining us from? I'm joining you from Phoenix, Arizona on yes. Central Avenue. Excellent, so, so not too far. That's our headquarters. Yeah. Very good, a, sto- a little further than a stone's throw, but not too far. And Tiffany Ma, Senior Solution Consultant at OneStream Software. Welcome, Tiffany. Thanks, Karen. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And where do we have you buzzing in from? I'm currently in Boston. Well, we live outside of Arizona. That's okay. <laughs> Quite a bit further than a stone's throw. We're happy to have you today. Uh, along with these accomplished digi- digital transformation experts, we also are joined by Steve Zelstra. He's the president and CEO of Arizona Technology Council, and we'll be discussing the innovative technology solutions that are helping companies to reimagine their operational workflows. We have a lot of interesting content to cover, so let's dive in. And before we do that, hello, Steve. How are you? I'm doing terrific. Thanks, Karen. Well, we are excited about today's conversation, aren't we? Absolutely. Very good. So let's kick it off. Steve and I will take turns asking questions. And uh, again, I've encouraged our guests to, um, to you know, kind of add on to what everyone is speaking. So we have a well-rounded conversation and a lot of ground to cover. Let's start by having each of you speak briefly to um, just an opportunity to introduce yourself, the role that you play in your organization, and of course, how your organization fits into the Arizona tech ecosystem. Kristen, would you be willing to start for us? Absolutely. So I am originally from Fort Myers, Florida, and I moved out to Phoenix for school, went to GCU for a couple of years, and then got connected at ZoroSign, and I've been working there for the last two years as a digital marketing manager. A little bit more about ZoroSign. We are a multi-chain blockchain digital signature platform, and our headquarters are here in Phoenix, Arizona. Very good. Again, welcome. 
And what I'd love to do, and I, we might have said this in the green room, but I was uh, taking a quick break in between shows. We would love for each of you just to uh, jump in instead of Steve or I having to kind of, um, you know, gatekeep. There might be this awkward pause for a moment, but let's just make it a well-rounded conversation as if we're just, you know, sitting across the table from each other. So I would love to just open it up to um, either Stephen or Tiffany to introduce themselves next. Go for it, Stephen. <laughs> I like that. Toss the baton. <laughs> That's a difficult one. I'm going to let Tiffany go first. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, well, hi, I'm Tiffany. I am a senior solutions consultant at OneStream. So senior solutions consultant, meaning I'm in the pre-sales side. So when a customer comes to us and says, um, you know, we're looking to purchase a solution to help us uh, manage either accounting, finance, anything under the Office of Finance, a solution, you know, can, can we take a look at your software? I'll come and show them our software, to talk to the value uh, benefits of it. OneStream software is at a very high level. It basically just enables finance groups within an organization to help uh, better manage their decisions. Okay, can't get out of there, Stephen, your turn. Okay, it's my turn. I'm Steve Irons. I'm president and founder of Phoenix-based DocSolid. I'm an Arizona native, went to grade school, high school, college in Arizona. You know, I've moved away, but I've been back for about 30 years, and we're happy to have our company headquartered here in Phoenix. We have employees around the country, but about half of our employees are based here in Phoenix. DocSolid makes digital mailroom solutions for the law firm marketplace. And Steve Zalstra, we always want to give an opportunity for you to introduce yourself and tell us a little about, about Arizona Technology Council. Thank you, Karen, and thank you to our guests for being on today. We really appreciate it. Uh, I'm Steve Zalstra, President and CEO of the Arizona Technology Council. Uh, we're a statewide technology trade association representing uh, uh, over 750 member companies. Uh, we do public policy advocacy on behalf of the tech ecosystem. We, we do about 100 to 150 events a year. We negotiate lower cost products and services uh, for our members, and we publish a lot of uh, products, including uh, our magazine, Tech Connect, and uh, our uh, monthly newsletter, Tech Talk. Steve, before we jump in our our next question, and maybe this might be a, an entry point to it. Why, why this conversation today? When, when you're out there advocating and, and working with the companies that you do that represent our ecosystem, why is it important to have these three professionals with us today? Well, I think, you know, we've been talking about digital transformation in this country for the last decade or more. But um, I think you'll hear from our experts today, it really was accelerated as a result of COVID. You know, without the technologies we're using today for this podcast, uh, business would have stopped and uh, would have had a tremendous negative impact on uh, our economy. So I, I think, uh, you know, technology is, is about improving our lives in some way, shape or form. That's what digital transformation is about, you know, moving away from, um, you know, paper and pencil and, and uh, using digital means uh, for all business related activities. So it's a, it's a critical part of the tech ecosystem. These are tools that are used by not just technology companies, but every company today. So 
this transformation is is really critical and uh it's really an epoch in our society if you will and i hear it more and more that companies again for profit not for profit admitting and saying that they are a tech company. They have to be a tech company, you know, to, to, to some degree because of everything that you've just shared, Steve. So again, we thank uh, Steve's team for bringing you all together. So let's talk about that. How would you define digital transformation, each of you, and why is it important for companies to explore it to future-proof their continued growth and success? Digital transformation to me is a technological and a business process change, right? It's a, it's a transformation. Today, this day and age, there's more data available at our fingertips. And so businesses need to be able to access and analyze this data through either business uh, systems or uh, improvements, right? And it's, it's through this data transformation. And so coming from my background, right, within the office of the CFO, in the past, um, it dealt with only accounting, budgeting, and, and reporting functions. Primarily, it was done through Excel spreadsheets or outdated disparate, disparate legacy, legacy systems. And because the old processes were so inefficient and disconnected, most of the time spent by financial analysts was collecting, cleansing, uh, consolidating that data to produce reports. Now, with a solution like OneStream or um, any modern digital technology, right, we have all the processes in one place. So we have the ability to bring in that more accurate and real-time data. And so now financial analysts are no longer uh, spending their time doing the busy work of collecting the data and creating the reports. They're now letting OneStream do that for them. And they're spending time doing more value-add things like analyzing the data, right? Or modeling out various uh, scenarios to be prepared to quickly report to, to and adapt to changing times. So today, the office of the CFO is strategically involved with the rest of the business more than ever, as opposed to just siloed into the accounting, budgeting, and reporting pieces. Right? Two, we have you know we have quite a few customers in Arizona, but um, two big customers are Freeport McMoran, McMoran, which is a leading international mining company with headquarters in Phoenix. Uh, a second big one is Avnet, which is a distributor of uh, electronic components, also based in in Phoenix. Um, but the two main themes of these uh, customers of ours is once they, before OneStream, they had lots of manual work that was spent doing that, you know, work in Excel and these old legacy systems. And now, as I mentioned before, they're now spending time doing these value-add activities and they're letting OneStream automate the work and get uh, to get to get and cleanse the data, to report, to run the calculations. Um, and, you know, it's their lives are just much better for these for these businesses, right? Freeport, more interestingly, is that international mining company, even though they're headquartered in Phoenix, they're now actually managing their mines across the globe. So you can imagine how difficult that would be and how slow that would be if they were trying to do that using Excel spreadsheets that were sitting on someone's local computer. And Karen, you asked about definition for digital transformation. You know, our, our, our businesses have been digital for some time now in most aspects but digital transformation is just that it's when you apply the power of digital information to change your business process and to optimize it you said you know explore it to future proof your business you you just got to do that to be in the future you've got to be able to you know apply your your digital assets to optimize your organization. So it's, it is transformational. 
it's it's interesting that um, our company, which is really on a foundational level, is helps law firms move paper onto their digital platforms. So we often get called digital transformation, but we're really just a, a small subset, kind of flooring for the, how that has to happen. You know, and, and as if we needed a reminder, the pandemic and you know, work from home movements, force-fed, optimized digital methods on and behaviors on organizations. And, and now we have a hybrid, hybrid workplace, it's permanent. And that just again, forces or emphasizes companies to be able to operate optimally with their di digital assets. And so, you know, that's what we help law firms do in our small segment. And just to add to that too, um, on our side of things, Zoe assigned the digital signatures, um, how we would define digital transformation is moving the key operations from signing, sending, tracking documents from the paper-based to digital. And you're going to get the cost savings that comes with that, as well as the environmental savings. You're reducing your paper intake and your carbon footprint from transporting and bringing paper places to have signatures um, signed. And so, yeah, I guess I just add on to that. I feel like you guys killed it with the first two answers, but. <laughs> well, if everybody used Kristen's technology, I'd be out of business. So <laughs> how do we have a little bit of paper left for us to do our rudimentary scanning to it? Okay. But that's working out. It's working out just fine though, so far. <laughs> so yeah. we, we, mentioned a little bit earlier that uh, the pandemic has, has really accelerated uh, the movement uh, toward digital transformation. Can, can you uh, each talk about uh, how you've seen uh, that acceleration in your own environment? In the past, I've seen that co any company that's faced change or was, has grown has really always had a need for digital transformation, right? And to me, that again, that just means modernizing your technology and processes, removing the manual work, right? But with the pandemic, as you said, Stephen, this has brought on a slew of global economic uh, of disruptions, right? It's the, the global economic changes, the supply chain, the inflation, the geopolitical challenges, the looming recession, the list goes on and on, right? But with all of these forces, I've seen that I think it's become a real wake-up call for organizations that haven't gone under that haven't undergone the digital transformation to get to a place where they can adapt and basically navigate through this dis disruption right it's kind of like to steve's point earlier you just kind of have to survive if not uh you know to to with digital transformation especially through the pandemic here just to give another example of of a customer mccain foods they're not in arizona but if you know if you've ever had a mcdonald's french fry you've had a McCain's food product, they supplied the French fries to them. But during the pandemic, the CFO uh, needed to see his financials on a daily frequency. And so he asked, he asked that their current one stream system be converted to a daily reporting of the company's cash and capital position. So we were able, with one stream, we were able to build a new application and dashboards containing that daily data in just nine days, right? And so now McCain can just can monitor their business and make the decisions in real time which is so critical, right, during the pandemic, because things were just changing all the time. And so I think that's really been um, the genesis of the need for companies to, to, to have to have this digital transformation in this time of day. Kristen, what yeah, is zero sign? I mean, 
for us, the pandemic, I think, was a big catalyst because businesses, governments, they all switched to home. And, you know, then it started, you're working online, you're meeting digitally, and your workflows, um, creating, editing, signing documents all also had to go online because you can't meet in person anymore. Actually, for ZoroSign, we moved our headquarters over to Phoenix in 2020. So the pandemic was definitely a huge factor in playing into that as well. Yeah, and, and in our business with large law firms or big law as it's called, those are our customers, the biggest law firms around the world. Well, they were already in the back half of a decade of digital transformation, but when they all had to go home and work there, you have this dynamic in this particular vertical market that the older attorneys and their partners, so their business owners, they were, you know, they're in the business of creating documents and part of that cycle goes through paper. They love it. And so for about half the attorney population, they were pretty resistant to digitization exercises. But when they had to go to home offices, they had to change their behavior. They didn't have a staff around them that could serve them up with a, a file or schlep a document down the hall. And they already had electronic document management systems in place and they, they'd start to use them. And we saw, was it Churchill that said, never waste a good crisis? Well, this, this crisis now has taken this non-compliant or harder to adopt portion of the attorney population and made them more digital in their behaviors. So early on in the pandemic, we had big law firm customers who, you know, didn't know what to do yet. And attorneys would literally drive into town and somebody would meet them, some essential worker would meet them at the curb with a file can't tell you the law firms, but a lot of luck to me. And uh, mail, which is what we focus on, is mission critical in a law firm because the courts will send orders that require the law firm to, to respond within a certain number of days. And clients send mail and opposing counsel sends mail. So it's, it's important. But it was just stacking up on the desks. And then what happened is all law firms have a way to scan, so they kind of cobbled together uh, primitive ways to get scanned email working, but that did a lot of security and governance violations. So, it, you know, it just created this opportunity in this crisis to digitize that last bastion of paper-based operation out of necessity. And now that they have a choice, nobody wants to go back once they can become digital in their mail, integrate it with their other business processes. Nobody wants to go backwards. So you got a hybrid workforce. Some people land on certain days, but just one way to deliver the mail used to be in paper at almost every law firm. It's crazy, but now it's it's digital. As a sidebar, and not not intended to go down a rabbit hole, but I have a couple clients who are attorneys, and in this conversation, as it relates to going digital and hybrid, the relationship with the role that they play and the courts, right? Who who weren't really necessarily prepared, from what I understand, for the hearings online and those sorts of things for the attorneys that I know who are very digital savvy and tech savvy. They were like, finally, that we have to force the courts to this, this place of ease and automation and that sort of thing. So it, that, that, I think it needs to be another whole show. So we'll, we'll pin that well, one for right now. They're, they're just different lanes. Yes, right? exactly. In, in the law community, mm -hmm. courts are in one lane, attorneys are in one, clients are in one, but 
they're all running the same race, just in different lanes. Now they're kind of getting lined up. And we have to, because as Steve opened up for us, this this digital economy and this this need to have every company see themselves through a technological lens uh, is critical for uh, sustainability as a business. Uh, we're going to um, have another question in just a moment. We're going to break for our first uh, shout out to Arizona Commerce Authority, who is AZ TechCast 2022 Innovation Sponsor. Let's pause for a word from Arizona Commerce Authority. Our streamlined pro-business approach helps you achieve more by putting less between you and future success. Less red tape, lower taxes, less distance separating you from the tech leaders of tomorrow. This innovative ecosystem will supply your business with tools and resources to compete in the 21st century and beyond. But your future is more than just business success. In Arizona, the lifestyle you want is at your fingertips. Explore cities known for their Southwest heritage and modern vision. Enjoy beautiful scenery and endless outdoor activities on land, water, or snow. And if you're looking for a little friendly competition, we've got plenty of teams to choose from. With constant sunshine, vibrant culture, and natural wonder, Arizona provides a style of living that's entirely unique. People from all over the world call our state home. From student leaders who fill the classrooms of our top-ranked universities to a skilled and abundant workforce that's ready for what's next. To the neighbors, friends, and peers we interact with daily, Arizonans are united by a pioneering spirit that moves us forward. So as you look to the future, know that it's filled with the perfect balance of innovation and high-quality living that makes life better here. Steve, you, you talked a little bit about the old guard and, you know, the resistance to, to change. You know, the great thing is that the generation, say, that's coming out of college now uh, doesn't have to transform, right? They've, uh, they're all digital. It's really exciting to see the next generation uh, push the old guard along in this, in this process. I wanted to give each of you an opportunity to talk a little bit more about the solutions uh, each of your companies provides and moving us away from pencil and paper to all digital. So uh, whoever wants to start, uh, you've talked a little bit about this in the course of our discussion so far, but any, any more details you wanna share with us about your particular product and service? Yeah, so ZoroSign, um, we are a digital signature platform. And so the very idea of moving people from paper to digital is kind of what we stand for. And so in terms of the solution that we offer, it'd be the whole company, but also the other things that we have added on that I feel like give piece of people a peace of mind in signing digitally is we have our entire architecture is built on blockchain. And so we have that added privacy and security aspect. Um, and we, we started from the ground up with the priority of prioritizing other people's privacy and security when signing digitally. And so, yeah, I think that those would be the two solutions. And we have, you know, AI, ML, and other technology stacks that we've added in in helping with this. I bought a new car and switched banks during 
all of the pandemic and recently and never met people on the other side, right? It was all done, all my signatures, all the in, in secured situations. So is that, Kristen, that's the kind of work that you guys do? Who, who do you specifically? Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah, we do digital signatures. Um, in terms of the people who use us, it's anyone who needs to sign documents. So we see a lot of the early adopters are people in the finance industry, law firms, as well as, you know, real estate, IT companies. Hey, Kristen, can you educate me a little bit? about the value that blockchain foundation brings to your solution yeah absolutely question yeah so blockchain essentially is a decentralized database so instead of having a centralized database all of your information stored in one place say it were to be hacked they have access to all of your information whereas um, with blockchain it's blocks of data chained together and so say somebody hacks in or is changes a comma on one block of data, you're going to be able to go back and see exactly who changed it, when they changed it, where they changed it. Um, and it's going to be uh, recorded uh, in the blockchain. So that's my short answer from a marketing perspective. But I hope that clears it up a little bit. So is it like secure auditability, basically, through the blockchain security? Blockchain is very secure. Yeah, it's one of the most secure ways to uh, maintain data. Some people refer to it sort of as a digital ledger. And, uh, you know, it, it's it's really transforming business and, and, and industry. You know, they're using it in all kinds of applications. Uh, imagine someday when, uh, for instance, everything related to your identity your passport, your driver's license, your marriage license, all of that stuff could be on a blockchain. You know, you could get access to it anywhere, anytime. Again, it's digital. It's in these blocks. No one else can tamper with it. So it's it's really cool technology. Steve, what about, we, we've heard quite a bit from you about what you do for law firms, but any anything further you want to add? Well, I'll just double down a little bit on what Kristen said about security, because as we become more digital, we have to be looking over our shoulders to, uh, at security issues all the time. And in law firms, also governance, chain of custody, who, who, who has been in possession of a digital item and such. So um, our digital mailroom solution for law firms, we built it during the pandemic. We woke up in, in March of 2020 and said, wait a minute, how are they going to get the mail out? They, they used to have a mailroom clerical staff that would get the U.S. postal mail and the FedExes today, and they'd sort them, put them in wire baskets on wheels and roll them out through many floors of the firm. They do that around the country and around the world, but the people weren't in the office anymore. So obviously this needed to be scanned and then sent to the recipients. But after the scanning happens, our software takes over. Some mail might be addressed to an attorney, but that attorney doesn't get her mail. It goes to an assistant. Might be a, a legal matter. That's what they call them, a matter. And there might be a matter team that knows needs to know this court order just came in. So the software would know to send a notification to everybody on the matter team. Essentially, the clerical workers can kind of do what they were doing before. It it's, keeps it clerical. But the uh, software and the workflow around it is built to satisfy a, a law firm. So if 
a mail item needs to be calendared because it has to have a certain response date. It goes to a function in the law firm called docketing. Mailroom doesn't have to know that. Our software knows that. And the docketing function gets a notification that that mail item is there. But the big thing that we do that's different from a security standpoint is when law firms were kind of uh, doing an Apollo 13 and saying, okay, how do we get something done? How do we get something scanned in the early days of the pandemic? They would just walk over to their scanning copiers and they'd scan something as an email with a PDF attachment. But that has a lot of security problems with it. So if that PDF that's been scanned as a mail item and it contains sensitive client information or HIPAA information, things that just can't get out, it's really loose when you send it out in an email system. So we're integrated with the firm's electronic document management software. It's where they keep their stuff and we put mail directly into the market leading document management software solutions that are out there. That's what these law firms are running. So we're actually putting it where it's gonna end up from the get go. And we just have integrations with all of those different software companies that create a daily mail folder for each user in their uh, system. So, you know, we had to write this, we had to integrate with those other solutions. But in the end, what we have is a more efficient, but also a vastly more secure method of delivering the mail digitally. And so that security aspect of things is the crucial part of what we take care of in our digital mail room. I don't know if any of you have opted in for this, but the U.S. Postal Service uses a technique where they, they scan everything, and I get an email every morning that okay. shows me what, what mail is going to be in the mailbox. Uh, and, you know, if you're waiting for something important or whatever, it's, uh, it, it's useful. So. I love it. Yep, same. Then just imagine that they had a bunch of people that could also open them up and scan everything that was inside. Begin a lot closer to where it needs to be for a law firm. But law firms do the same thing. Law firms might tell the mailroom, if it says confidential on the outside of the envelope, we don't want our clerical staff to open that up. So they just send an image of the outside of the envelope, and then the software has built into it an opportunity for the attorney to click a button and say, yeah, go ahead and open that and scan it to me. Or don't scan that, go deliver it to my desk, I'll be in on Tuesday. In other words, a way to reconcile the portion of the mail that they can't open, and they're only going to scan the outside of the envelope, like U.S. Postal Service does. Cool. Tiffany, what about OneStream? Yeah, so OneStream is not as um, applicable to, to daily lives as Kristen and Steve's examples are. Again, it's it's kind of a niche area, but just a, a you know, at a high level, we call it corporate performance management. It's basically just, as I said before, enabling finance groups to help help the businesses make better decisions. So, I'm kind of I'm going to take your question of what our company does and kind of take it a step further and and say ex explain a specific feature that helps um, helps our customers. So, um, you know, for, for most companies right now, mid size to larger. It takes finance and accounting users time to gather your information from various sources, uh, cleanse it and aggregate it up into a view of the business that to have the information to be meaningful and to help leaders make business decisions, essentially. Um, it normally goes through a process of taking all of your um, systems, like your sub ledger. These are, I'm going to go into kind of accounting technical terms, but 
uh, it's you're taking transactional detail, like your point of sale systems from maybe a restaurant or, or business or invoice detail. And then it aggregates all that up and consolidates all that information into a general ledger. So Stephen, you mentioned the blockchain being a digital ledger, right? It's same same concept. It's it's bringing all that transactional and operational information to this consolidated view. Then that feeds into either Excel or another system that has to then get that information into a digestible format to where you're looking at your business in a way that you run it, meaning you're now able to see it in a holistic view of your, your business by customer, by your products, by your regions, right? Um, and this generally happens on a monthly basis. We call this uh, a month end close process. And so imagine having to wait until the end of the month when the close is complete to be able to understand how your business is doing and how, how you're able to dictate how to run it. So with the technology that we call analytic blend um, in one stream, we're now able to take the those source systems like those point of sale systems or the uh, invoice detail systems, and we're able to bring it directly into one stream. So you're basically bypassing those middle layers of that general ledger or the Excel files or other systems. So instead of having to wait until the end of the month, they're able to analyze and compare how their key metrics and KPIs are pacing against their run rates for the month. And so we're able to do this on either a weekly or even a daily basis before your month end close. And so businesses are now able to be more agile and can adapt to, to environments that are changing all the time, especially during, let's say, a pandemic, right? Um, and so at OneStream, we've, we've termed this financial signaling. Um, so this means the business is basically getting a continuous pulse of the business uh, on an everyday activity. And so instead of having to react at the end of the month after receiving those numbers, they're now able to proactively take action um, ahead of the month to continually drive your performance. Uh, a couple of examples, BDO is a big global uh, assurance uh, tax and advisory services group. They are able to bring in, just to give a little bit of context, 10 million records nightly into, into the uh, one stream. And so that then is transformed into 30 to 40 million rows of data. And that ultimately ends up in 300 trillion cells of intersection. So that's a lot of data. And you're doing that overnight in a couple of hours. And the next day, the users are able to see in a dashboard or report all their, all their numbers from the previous day, which is pretty cool. Um, another, oh, that's sorry. A great, that's a great uh, use case. Uh, the, the tool um, provides an opportunity for managers and leaders to make uh, uh, real-time decisions in their business, uh, not having to wait till it's too late, which is after the month close. Yeah, exactly. Got it. Let's switch gears here for a minute. This, uh, what obstacles do businesses, governments, and individuals face in moving to digital operations? We talked briefly about it when I mentioned the courts and those you know, uh, businesses running alongside each other. Uh, let's open it up to everyone. What obstacles do businesses, governments, and individuals face in moving to digital operations? I think uh, generically, adoption is a big one. And that, that was what we were talking about earlier with the courts, but also even in Kristen's business, if you're going to do digital signature in a transaction, both sides need to agree that that's going to be the way it's going to get done. That's why it took so long for digital signatures to take root in the mortgage business. If I've got a cool way to close a mortgage, but the party that's buying the house shows up and sits down and wants to sign a bunch of things and walk out with the paper, well, you've got to accommodate them. So adoption happens when you get all the parties in the transaction that are ready to make it the digital leap. And so I think yeah. 
adopted as kind of a big generic one. And I, I'd say the other one too is governance. A lot of these new things that we do require some sort of certification approval uh, by either internal security and governance folks or outside policy folks from the government itself to you know say this is acceptable. Yeah, to add to Steve's point, right, the governance point, I think it's just, it's a lot of effort, right? It takes a lot of time, money, resources. That's why it's a transformation. It's not just a simple project. And so, yeah, I think that's tough. And then obviously people are just resistant to change in general. Um, it's scary for people. Um, oftentimes in, in our area, people think maybe they're going to lose their jobs just because digital, you know, we're digitalizing things. But that's not true, right? I, I spoke about it before with our financial analysts. We implement a system and move off of these uh, manual offline Excel spreadsheets. They're not losing their jobs. They're actually just spending time doing more value add things or more fun things, right? They're being able to be strategic with the business and analyze their numbers as opposed to just number crunching or like be known as bean counters, right? As accountants are sometimes known for, but that's, that's not the case at all. So, or you create more jobs with a exactly. yeah. economy because you don't need more coal mining jobs, right? You need more exactly. jobs and, and better ways to power things. So this is table stakes. Digital transformation is what you need to show up. When yeah. you do that, there's a lot more jobs. And so if somebody's job is displaced, well, there's going to be a better one. That's what we hope for. Or heck, make, maybe work a 30 hour week. That'd be cool too. Yeah. <laughs> been anything to add to that? Yeah, I mean, at Zorosign, I feel like one of the biggest obstacles holding people back from taking that step into digital transformation and kind of going off of what was Steve was saying is adoption, but taking that a step further is people are have cons security concerns and they're worried that their information, since it's digital, since it's online, it's accessible to people. And while, you know, we can't, Zorosign can't claim to be hack proof. I don't believe anybody can claim to be hack proof least provide a solution and you'll hear me probably say it again built on blockchain that gives that added peace of mind to businesses and individuals signing digitally by the way steve i i redid my mortgage before the interest rates went up by the way sort of at the floor i did it all just like uh karen's transaction with her car i did it all online never met anybody it was a very smooth process. You sort of upload everything to a portal and they go through it and send you the paperwork and you're done. It's, it's pretty cool. I, I sold my house during this recent period, same thing. But I, if I remember the last time I did it, it was a signing ceremony. Mm -hmm. So yeah. what, what I like to watch, what I think is a fascinating place to watch is how you, how you sign uh, your your check your, and get your receipt in a restaurant. I love watching that. You, you know, Europe is way ahead of us and they bring the devices to the table and have everything you need. You can do it all there. But, you know, in, in America, again, because there's got to be readiness to accept that kind of transaction on both sides, it, it just has taken longer. But you, you watch your restaurants as they become more automated in the way you're going to sign for your check. And there's still a great diversity out there. But Certainly the momentum's in one direction. Even my favorite restaurants that I, I go to, I've watched them kind of switch back and forth between, yeah. you know, bringing it to the table, not, and I've, I've always, I've never asked, but I'm very curious about, you know, that transition for them and what, what kinks are they trying to work out? 
Well, we, we're talking about digital transformation. So the way they sign for a check is just a piece of it. But once you've got that device, now the wait person can take your order on that device. Yep. It can all be centralized, both in the accounting office and the kitchen. So that's probably why you see them swapping them out too, because the pace of advancement and how that technology platform extends throughout the operation of the restaurant is fast. And it's not just about getting a check signed anymore. I just had real transformation. And you use a scanner on your phone for the menu. Yeah. You don't need menus anymore. Right. And, 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 and then I just took this a step further in my mind. We're probably not too far off from the time that when we're placing, when we're looking at the menu, we're placing our order because, you know, places like Panera and, and those sorts of places are doing this already. Then if we're talking about stakeholders and vendors, there's also an opportunity real time knowing what else needs to be ordered because the oh, systems, yeah. as you've all spoken about, are now all part of it. And yeah, it's it's mind blowing as to the possibilities that we have. Yeah, that, that's, a, that's a good segue to my next question. And that's what are some of the long term benefits of uh, transitioning to, to digital for companies, for society? Can each of you speak to that? I'll just talk about the short term benefits. It's called survival, <laughs> which which then becomes long term. <laughs> yeah, it's it's better long term if you survived in the short term. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, we're just talking about restaurants, small businesses that are transforming to use digital approaches to solve their problems. Yeah, you, you just aren't going to survive if you do it any other way. So. I'm not smart enough to figure out how you could. Anyway, I think it's just a matter of survival. Just to help long-term benefits with efficiency and effectiveness, right? It goes back to table stakes, Steve's point, right? But you you want to be able to run your business efficiently and you do that through digital transformation, in, in my opinion, right? Um, a, a kind of more practical example is one of the biggest costs of for any organization is labor. If you can plan your biggest costs, using technology, you'll be able to focus on your margins and then ultimately your business, right? And, you know, depending on your industry, the compensation calcs for your employees can be highly complex. You can have complex business or bonus structures, you can have different geographical benefits. And you, if you don't have the systems and processes in place, you can't plan efficiently in your, for your employees and then, you know, it's, it's trouble. So my thought. Yeah, and then also cost savings, not having to use paper storage, transportation of paper, copying, printing, everything that comes along with it, as well as sustainability, just in the long term, saving trees and um, signing digitally. I think, you know, bottom line issues are, are critical, right? This is all about efficiency uh, and effectiveness, but I also see it particularly for this next generation to happier employees, right? Because you're not doing all these mundane uh, you know, things that are drudgery that we all used to have to do because they're they're being done uh, electronically. So it uh, seems like that's helpful. Are there, you know, we're the Arizona Technology Council. Uh, are there technology trends that are influencing or accelerating this evolution of uh, digital transformation? We talked about I think Tiffany's and Kristen's business is accelerated by the ability to manage big data, apply blockchain to it. You know, 10 years ago, the, they were, some of these things were in a lab and now they're almost commoditized 
the ability to tap into them. So, you know, it's just like mass is, we got critical mass to be able to do this now. I would say connectedness is kind of accelerating. I mean, we talked about, right, the shift to remoteness, the remote work. Steve talked about the restaurant example, right? Like it's not just about the signature anymore. Now it's passing to the different systems and, you know, now it's, you know, the Zoom or team meetings and, and you just need the systems in place to, to talk to each other and that there's less need for manual interventions. I think the need for connectedness is, is really driving it too. Yeah, and like Steve mentioned, blockchain technology, I think, and specifically the business application of blockchain, because I think the world, the word blockchain kind of gets lost in the crypto word or crypto world when you say it. Just educating people about the business application of blockchain, I think, is going to help propel digital transformation and the continued trends within it. So it's about working from home. I mean, that's here. It's it's we're just we're transformed on that. I don't think it's the new normals clear to everybody yet because we haven't had normal time yet, but there's no way we're going back into those tall buildings in Manhattan for five days a week anymore. No. So yeah. the digital infrastructure, the digital solutions, that that's what's going to let human beings work the way they want to as it settles out between working in an office and working from home. That's what's going to help enable it. Steve, we're transitioning our space on Central, just south of Thomas, to an event facility, taking out all the offices, wow. creating a big boardroom so we can have board meetings there, and uh, we're going to do events there because all of us now work from home, Love and that. it works works perfectly. Yeah. Well, we're, we're neighbors, Steve, <laughs> on Central, I'm yeah. down across from Durant, so. I'll come to your events. Well, we're, we're, we're across from Durant's, right across the street. Wait, are you at 2600? We're at 2800. We're at the next building. 2600. I so love it. That's, that's pretty cool. Turn, uh, keep the music down at those events. Right? <laughs> right. I'm trying to get some work done here. Hey, we're, we've got about 10 minutes left. And, and as we always say, we could, you know, do another hour or two with you, uh, with you all. Uh, before we ask the next question and begin to kind of uh, round out our conversation, I want to make sure that we give proper shout out to our 2022 Tech Advocate sponsor, JDH Insights. Let's hear from them now. Thank you, JDH Insights, for being our 2021 Tech Advocate Sponsor. A leader in coaching and executive development, JDH Insights is committed to helping organizations cultivate and leverage their most important and complex asset, their humans. Visit JDHinsights.com to enhance leadership and improve team dynamics to take your business to the next level. I think I just got a heads up from our producer. Did we say 2021 on there? I think we need to update those. Is that right, Daryl? Yeah, we need to update those uh, those sponsorship spots. Well, good to know now that we're halfway through the year. Uh, I love it. But and, and we're grateful for both sponsors being with us that long. Right, Steve? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. By the way, I wanted to mention one of the things. It, it seems so archaic to me that we still exchange dollars and coins right uh barely we already have digital currency and the idea that we have to you know give dollar bills or tens or 20s and change to, to people just seems so archaic that needs to move all digital 
uh, as well. And of course, we're moving in that direction. Are there any companies in Arizona or, or I guess outside Arizona that are really taking the lead in digital transformation that you all admire? I don't know who all the companies are, but I'm always kind of proud of Arizona when I uh, drive through the miles of um, solar panels out there in the desert on the way to California. And I just would like to see Arizona get out ahead and stay out ahead on that front. We're running out of water, but we're not running out of sun. So, Yeah, we have more days of sunshine than any other state in the United States. We are, I just saw an article today. We are still uh, a leader in installed solar uh, in the U.S., maybe not in the world, but uh, in the U.S. But we work a lot in the area of uh, clean energy and renewable energy, and they're trying to get the powers to be to move or to accelerate faster to those kinds of uh, solutions. And uh, all the electric vehicle companies in Arizona are members of the Tech Council as well. So a lot going on in that space, Steve. Uh, Kristen or Tiffany, uh, uh, solutions out there that, uh, that you really admire? I would say for me, um, just the companies that are kind of embracing the platform idea, um, and that's kind of a little chief shout out for OneStream because we are one of them, but you know, the sales forces, um, all the companies that are recognizing the connectivity, it goes back to my theme of everything needs to be connected, right? And with the platform, you have that ability to be connected and the flexibility to be able to build on anything. If you imagine like an, a development platform, whatever you want to build into a product, if you, whatever you imagine, you can build into it. And, and that's kind of the power of the platform. And so any, any company that's kind of embracing the, the platform idea, I, I'm really admiring. I have no particular company in mind. I mean, companies that I admire that I think are embracing digital transformation, Google, uh, all the big dogs out there, and also just the early adopters who are trying new technologies and diving into the next level security here in Arizona, but no specific ones are coming to mind here. You know, what really impressed me is how both uh, Microsoft with Teams and Zoom were able to essentially support the world, also make changes in real time, right? They had to adapt. There were a few, it was a little clunky at the, at the beginning, but how quickly they were able to adapt. I mean, they, they enabled economies around the world to continue to operate. And if it hadn't been for those platforms, you know, I don't know where we would be today. So they've really impressed the heck out of me. There were a lot of options out there, sir, that during the pandemic for doing events on platforms. I don't know if any of you experienced those. That Some of those were kind of fun. We used one where you could create an avatar of yourself and walk around a, 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 a expo and ex exposition and uh, go to see speakers and so on that was that was kind of fun so a lot of innovation occurred during COVID that's one of the things I think as we look back that will be impressive the degree of innovation that occurred not only to address COVID right the vaccines are a miracle but also to allow society and business to continue. So I, those are the kinds of things uh, that impressed me. I think that the tech industry really stood tall during that time. So now we're going to ask you to get out your crystal ball. 
see what do you think what are your predictions about uh what we're going to see in terms of digital transformation over the next decade say you guys are on the ground you get to see what's going on on a daily basis and maybe you get to see things that we don't get to see can you can you speak a little bit to what you see in the future so for zora sign we are we consider ourselves a web3 technology and just the very concepts of web three technologies coming into a world and transforming it digitally. That's, that's one trend that I think would be that I predict would be um, very pre president in the next decade. Yeah, I agree with Kristen. I also think AI ML is going to be big um, and it's going to get big quickly, right? We are in the age of data. So the more data, the more the technologies need to keep up with, the ability to process, cleanse, report on the data. Again, shameless plug for one stream. We have a, a machine learning product called Sensible Machine Learning. Um, but the idea here is you're able to course create, uh, you're able to create a more accurate forecast for your business with by taking out human bias, adding in machine learning or statistical models. Um, but ultimately, the goal is to help with the downstream processes, right? Yes, you get, a, you get an accurate forecast, but for the downstream processes of labor planning or, or um, supply planning or inventory planning, right? If you think about one of our customers as a grocery store, you'll have less waste. You'll have waste. Just giving you know, a real life applicable example of, you know, if you have, uh, let's say a billion dollar company and we saved 1%, we gave 1% improvement in your forecast, that's still $10 billion, right? And that could equate to excess inventory that you could take off your balance sheet. One of our customers, Polaris, is a manufacturer of off-road vehicles, so ATVs, UTVs, snowmobiles. We had them go through, uh, use sensible machine learning, and they saw an improvement of uh, their forecast accuracy in, in the double digits, uh, which is really impressive. So I really think AI ML is gonna really change the game. Tiffany used the word earlier, platform. I think that power of platform companies, the power of platforms can become a big factor. I mean, Amazon is going to get in the food business, Microsoft, Google going to get in the healthcare business. But the strength is from these digital platforms that they're able to leverage. And, and when they own them, it, it's uh, monolithic in, in some ways. But probably it's always been the opportunity for the smaller companies will be to build solutions that tap into those platforms. But I think the notion of a platform that houses these powerful digital transformational uh, capability sets is, it, it's gonna be what new massive companies look like. And the next Microsoft is out there doing that right now. We still don't know who they are yet. A couple of years ago, I had the opportunity to both meet and listen to Mark Cuban speak when he was in town. And he had just finished uh, reading AI for Dummies. He basically said that every business owner in the world, small, medium, and large, needs to understand AI and how to leverage it uh, in their business because it's gonna transform businesses in a way that we can even comprehend right now. So, and you know, again, it will be about taking drudgery out of uh, the work processes, right? Because uh, AI is really uh, replicating uh, what typically would have been a human process. Uh, you know, it's 
it's not a robot walking around. It's <laughs> it, it's really just replacing uh, something that humans used to do that is was onerous. And uh, so I think that that's my prediction is that AI is going to change everything. Imagine a platform, imagine a platform company that could actually offer up AI in ways that it could solve small business problems through English language requests. I mean, Google does that now. Google punches a hole in the internet, let's ask it a question. And yeah. years ago, we thought that was an outrageous idea, but that's, you know, you do now. You punch a hole in the internet, ask it a question, and it's got an answer for you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine you could do that with, uh, well, of course, Google's got a little AI behind that as well. Yeah, they do. Universally applicable AI would be amazing. Well, Karen, I, you want to take us home? Yeah, so good. I, I really, I know Steve and I both appreciate each of you deeply, and, and I'm sure our listeners are, are uh, blown away by the wisdom and, and really the, the communities and the businesses and industries that you serve. So thank you again for making time for us and appreciate the camaraderie and the opportunity to ask questions of each other as well. You've been listening to AZ TechCast brought to you by Phoenix Business Radio with Business Radio X. AZ TechCast was brought to you by the Arizona Commerce Authority, the state's leading economic development organization with a streamlined mission to grow and strengthen Arizona economy. Thank you, Arizona Commerce Authority. And thank you as well to JDH Insights, the 2022 Tech Advocate Sponsor. Visit JDHinsights.com to enhance leadership and improve team dynamics to take your business to the next level. If you're interested in becoming a podcast participant or sponsor for the council's AZ TechCast, please contact marketing at aztechcouncil.org to learn more about opportunities to further position you as a tech expert, influencer, and innovator. Until next time, I'm Karen Wiki. Thank you again for joining us for AZ TechCast. Thank you for joining us for this episode of AZ TechCast with Arizona Technology Council featuring leading tech and business experts that help influence and shape our great state and the industries they serve.